Wow. Okay, business owners, crazy times means big help is needed, and I'm here for you. Right now, lock in my special offer, 50% off all social media marketing packages, from we do everything for you to we plan with you. Whatever you need, we are here to help you market your business on social media. Hi, this is Glory with Successful Marketing Group. For a limited time, you can get my entire team of super smart social media marketers working for you for 50% off all level of packages. Don't wait. Go right now to SuccessfulMarketingGroup.com backslash social and let's get you where you need to be. Yes, we are going to talk about current events here on the Cheryl Reeves Show. Let's get to a little bit of basketball first, though. Let's take care of a few nuts and bolts. And I'm even going to have uh, a Hall of Fame coach explain some really basic things to me. So, in other words, it's going to be like every other show we do here at TalkNorth.com. Listen, uh, follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod. I want to thank our producer, Brandon Morton, and our sponsors, Successful Marketing Group and Cara Quinn. Cheryl, tell me what coring a player means in the WNBA? Yeah, in the WNBA, uh, a core designation is um, something that you would utilize typically for an unrestricted free agent to ensure that you have exclusive negotiating rights to that player. Uh, and and the, the number of times that you can core a player is, is uh, limited. Uh, that was something new in the CBA. Um, gosh, for a long time in a league, you were able to core up to two players uh, there was no kind of, it was, you know, no ending on when you could stop coring them. So it was a, you know, something that, that was a, a tool that I think when the, the league first started, uh, that it was better for teams to have their star players being with the same team, you know, to kind of develop this, um, you know, maybe allegiance to that player that, you know, the player to that, uh, organization. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, something that's gone, you know, through negotiations gone, gone further and further away. Uh, but it is a form of being able to uh, protect the franchise from a unrestricted free agent leaving. Uh, and there's, you know, it's, it was used three times in our league this year. Um, you know, it's, it's actually been used less, uh, you know, because it's not something you you'd necessarily want to have to do. Uh, it's oftentimes used to uh, sign and trade a player as opposed to actually keeping them. So multiple reasons why you would do it. And um, you know, like I said, we saw three players receive the core designation this season. As the free agency parameters change and the league grows, it, has your job as an executive or as a coach become more difficult or more streamlined? I mean, what, what is the effect upon you? Uh, with the new CBA, there's a lot more. There's a lot more to think about. There's, uh, you know, anytime it's new, you're, you're, you're trying to figure out the nuances of, of how new rules will impact you, uh, not just in the immediate season, you know, but, but beyond. Uh, much like when the, when the NBA, um, you know, came into uh, a bunch of money in their new CBA, and, you know, you, you kind of try to navigate, you know, you got a lot more money, but how do you use it? You know, any, any new rules? Uh, we have some new rules, for example, uh, rookies scale contracts now. Uh, become guaranteed in the final season. We've never had that. You have to consider that. Um, so there's there are far more considerations with this new uh, CBA that um, would, would make you make different decisions than what I would have made five years ago. You can uh, rate us at whatever podcast app you listen to us on. 
I also want to let you know that if you want to sponsor this program or any any of the programs at TalkNorth.com as we continue to grow the network, you can reach Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. So Gino passes Pat Summit. And, uh, you know, we've talked about Gino before. I think we've probably talked about Pat before, too. But I, I just I love hearing you talk about other coaches and especially other coaches who attain those heights. Uh, any thoughts on that milestone and on either of those figures in, in women's basketball? Well, you know, I, I think it's just so, uh, I guess, so great to kind of see it on display, whether it was Tara Vanderveer, now Gino. Uh, we have some amazing coaches in, in the women's game uh, that just simply don't get enough shine. And, and you know, everyone has heard about UConn uh, through the years, uh, but, but sustained success at that level is something that's really, really hard to do. Uh, and so it really is incredible. Uh, I remember uh, when, you know, back in the mid-80s when, when uh, Gino uh, first got into uh, his head coaching position. We actually played his Connecticut team. Uh, so to think that he started in, I believe that was 86, uh, and where they started from playing in an old field house, uh, not being very good. I think, you know, we beat them by 20. Uh, and to go, you know, to the heights they went to by the by the mid-90s was really incredible uh, and that they've kept it since. And, and uh, so, uh, it's a lot of wins. You know, sometimes you look at the number and you go, gosh, I would think you'd have more than that. But if you really start to sit down and look at it, you go, you know, it's hard to, to reach a thousand wins and, and, and to that level. So really, really incredible. You worked with Gino, Team USA. Was he ever as big a smart aleck with you as he is with everybody else? <laughs> Not directly towards me, uh, maybe about <laughs> about things <laughs> or other people. <laughs> it's just something that's innate. You know, he's from Philly, you know, <laughs> like yeah. it's, a, it's a it's innate, uh, you know, to the personality. And uh, I like it. I prefer it, you know, because he's being himself, um, you know, but mostly I, 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 you know, my experience with him on his staff, he was very gracious. Um, and I enjoyed, you know, being able to sort of do my thing. Um you know, and, and hopefully he, you know, he enjoyed what I brought to the table. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, that's something that we probably have in common. You know, we, we enjoy <laughs> we enjoy being, you know, a little sarcastic. That's, that's, our, that's where our humor kind of runs through. Well, I know every time I talk to him about you, he was just very complimentary. But he and Tarasi put on a show every time they were in the same building, it seemed like. That's a whole other level. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like family. You know, they're, they, they uh, yeah, so that. That tells you how much he he uh, he likes Diana, you know that that he does that. So that I don't think it gets much closer than that, or thicker than that in terms of you know the, the level of sarcasm and 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 uh, just ribbing uh, that they reach together. So free agency is looming. February first is when things start really happening. Can you just describe what's going on with you and your organization as you prep for that? And are things really happening that won't just be announced until after February first, or is it really on lockdown until then? No, well, you know, lockdown in what sense? Uh, you can't sign a contract unless it's a qualifying offer, which we've seen a few of those come in, uh, like Bridget Carlton was. It. So mm. it's not a negotiated contract; it's simply a qualifying offer that gets signed. Uh, otherwise, the if you you know are not uh, in that situation, then you are likely negotiating uh, either via your agent or you know the player themselves that uh, you're you're in conversations with teams or your own team and. You're trying to figure out what's next, and you can't sign that contract that's being negotiated until February 1st, anytime after February 1st. Uh, so what's happening now is just, you know, like I was saying before, just jockeying for a position, um, you know, putting your best foot forward, you know, for whoever it is that, that you want on your roster if you're, if you're choosing the free agency route. And you're also beginning to think about the impact of free agency. 
if, if team A adds a player, is there going to be fallout from that? And, and so you begin to plan that next layer of, of, of what could happen through free agency. Do you expect, I'm trying to get a, a sense of what it's going to be like after reverse. Do you expect fireworks? Do you expect just kind of the kind of moves that people go, okay, that makes sense and move on? Or do you, do you think this will be kind of a show? Uh, fireworks. Um, you know, I think Katy Perry should, should, uh, <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep it going. <laughs> I expect fireworks. No, I don't, I don't know. Um, uh, you know, I do, it, it is different. It, it's, you know, last year kind of showed us, um, what free agency is to WNBA players. Now they've waited so long, you know, it, it's been tilted, uh, sort of, or slanted in the favor of organization for so long, meaning control of your career, uh, you know, you mentioned the core, um, you know, the rookie scale contracts, you know, they run, uh, you know, four years, you can get cored another four years, eight years. That's, that's more than half your career. You could really, you know, a, a really good player gets tied up without any kind of uh, options to be somewhere else other than to demand a trade, which is not all that appealing for, for anyone, but that was the only uh, opportunity, you know, to, to leave a team. And so now it's different. And, uh, you know, just like we see in the in, in the in all professional sports that, you know, it's timing. It's, you know, what, what does a player want? Are they are they seeking money? Are they seeking opportunities to be successful, um, even though it might mean a lesser role? You know, there's just a lot of things happening. And, and so I think that, you know, free agency is, you know, I think the train left the station last year in terms of what we're going to see each year. And we shouldn't be surprised, uh, you know, that there'll be some you know, so, some bigger moves that we haven't had in the past. A lot of times before you'd have these big names that were scheduled to become free agents and immediately they would be cored uh, or you just knew they weren't leaving their teams. And, and it's just different now. And, um, you know, it makes, makes for an exciting off season. I think our, our fans will enjoy, you know, the coverage that, that will come from this and, um, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting. And, and uh, it's, it, like I said, it's a new age of free agency. Well, for, from a sports writing perspective, it would be great to see some flashy moves, some exciting moves in the offseason. Because, frankly, there's a kind of a dead period. Once you get past the biking season and before any you know, of the winter sports are really playing you know, games that are decisive, there's just this void, you know, especially in February, where it'd be great to have WNBA news to write about. Yeah, and I think it would be great for there to be more, uh, you know, whether it's beat writers or, or national writers, uh, writing about free agency and, and, you know, we have, we have some people, you know, that, that are kind of been doing their thing and covering the women's game that are writing about it. They're putting the salaries out there, they're analyzing it. Um, but it doesn't happen on a, on a larger scale. You're like, you're saying there's space for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's, there's, you know, that's not happening. I'm not, nobody's calling me and asking me, um, you know, the, you know, the maybe projections of free agency, you know, whether it's on the record, off the record background, et cetera. Nobody's asking about the impacts of this free agency. Who are free agents? What are the what do the salaries look like? Um, so that's always it's always baffling to me, you know that you, know, that you don't see that there's an opportunity there, uh, you know, to write about something at a time that you know that that might be really uh, a great opportunity for for both sides. So uh, it's it's interesting, uh, but we have some people working very very hard on this. Um, you know, they don't necessarily garner the same attention. Um, but you know, I mean, like I said, we're going to get to the point where we're going to have our own Woj, uh, you know, and, and, uh, there'll be some breaking news soon. There's going to be rumors that start to happen as players inch towards finalizing their decision. 
uh, you know, there could be verbal commitments or, you know, terms agreed to type of things that happen before February 1. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, I think it's interesting. I think it's something that uh, I think a lot of people could capitalize on that, that uh, maybe there's missed opportunity right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't disagree with that. Uh, but listen, I know you're a busy person. You probably haven't seen this. Is there any chance, have you seen the new Lions head coach, Detroit Lions head coach, <laughs> Uh, have you seen the uh, clips from his first press conference? I, I did. Dan oh, you did? Okay. I, I actually did. And I, I uh, have a few Lions fans in my circle. And I reached out and said, what in the hell was that? <laughs> what was that? Oh, what was he thinking? I said, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like the, you know, I don't know. I'm like, is that the NFL? Was that really an NFL head coach? that they just hired at the things that he said. And, you know, you might say some things in the locker room, you know, to get your, your players, you know, amped up that sort of thing, but yeah. And, and not in the press conference. So that was interesting that that's going to be around for a long time. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Holy crap. And, and, and this is a guy and they gave him a six year con. He's never, he's like just a guy and they gave him a six year contract to turn around a horrible franchise and they pat and they pass up people like Eric B for this guy. I, I just, it's going to yeah. be a disaster. Yeah. Lions fans are already depressed. So oh I, we'll God. see. Maybe it'll work uh, out great for him. <laughs> oh, maybe that's the nicest word in the English language. Maybe <laughs> All right. there's some really important things that I want to talk about with Cheryl. I love having access to Cheryl to talk about societal things and social justice and everything else. I really, I'm looking forward to this. First, I want to thank the people who helped make this possible. That's Successful Marketing Group, SuccessfulMarketingGroup.com. That is Glory Ramsey's organization. Of course, we've been talking about her winter wear drive lately that raised 20, more than $20,000 uh, for homeless youth in the Twin Cities. Great work as always by Glory, that, and that keeps getting bigger and bigger, and I can't wait for next year's. Uh, and, and, but, of course, Glory's business is marketing and helping you market your smaller or medium-sized business that wants personal attention, check out SuccessfulMarketingGroup.com. You've already heard the ad for that. And we also want to thank Cara Quinn, your VibeMN.com realtor. Yes, Cara is with a new company. She wanted to find somebody who aligned with her values. Uh, the great thing is she has values. <laughs> she cares She cares about a lot of things other than selling your house, but she's also very good at selling your house, helping you find, and probably the best thing about her and the reason she loves her job so much is she likes finding the perfect house, the per perfect living space for you. She's got great taste. She's lived all over the world. She loves architecture. She can help you at VibeMN.com or just Google Cara Quinn, C-A-R-A-Q-U-I-N-N, -N, and you'll see her background information, which is she's had an impressive career uh, at LinkedIn, at Vibe, uh, all over the place. Any place you can find a good realtor, you'll find a great realtor in Cara Quinn. So I don't know about you, Cheryl, but I feel like the last 40 years I've been carrying around cement blocks and I haven't not been allowed to put them down. Uh, it just has felt like I don't know, swimming through sludge or something. And it's been fairly horrific. And I'm just an average white guy who doesn't get targeted by the kind of people who uh, Trump has brought out of the woodwork. Uh, so I was almost, I don't know what the right word is, overjoyed, but it's more than that. And it's also, you know, also just an incredible sense of relief and also a sense of pride that they could pull off that kind of inauguration for everyone and include yeah. the 
include all the people I included. Uh, you know, I'm so glad they included the Black Pumas on there. I, I, that was what a great band, and they included Katy yeah. Perry, and they included people of color and women. And it, I just feel this incredible sense of relief. It doesn't mean life's going to automatically get easier today, but it does give me hope. Yeah, I was um, a little surprised at how I felt. I've always been uh, somebody interested. In, in watching inaugurations, you know, regardless of, of party, I, you know, I've always been, you know, dad was in the military. I've, I've always, I lived in DC for five years and absolutely loved all that, that DC was about and the, uh, the way, you know, some of the, the traditions that we have, um, you know, and the transfer of power. I don't, I don't necessarily like that phrase. Um, it's what it is, but I, I, uh, you know, just all of that that happens, I've always enjoyed watching that. And, and I think it's special. It's really special. And so I've always was interested. Uh, but, but when it came yesterday, I was a little surprised at, uh, I, I felt a little lighter. I think that's kind of what, what you're, what you're saying yeah. is, um, it, it surprised me it, that it really hit me, you know, when, when I, uh, I saw Air Force One taking off, um, you know, kind of signaling the end, um, you know, uh, of an era that that I don't think we can be all that proud of, uh, regardless of of party. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, like you said, the inauguration was really special. Um, you know, you know, someone like Garth Brooks, who's a Republican, um, I thought what was really cool was, you know, the, the call the, the call for unity, and you know, the idea that. Uh, it wasn't just words that it really was it that was on display um you know that you know that that garth identifies as republican it doesn't doesn't mean i mean this is what we've been doing for years you got to work together this is about democrats we've had two parties for a long long time and, and finding ways to you know um gosh be you know be americans uh, to be inclusive that's all we're looking to do is get the world to a better place and us to be leaders in that world to that end uh, and inclusion uh, is the path to get there. And, and you mentioned that, um, you know, some of the, you know, the challenges of, of the Trump era uh, of maybe what became acceptable, um, you know, like when, when, when Biden talked about, you know, used the words in his inauguration speech about, about white supremacists and that many on the right find that offensive, uh, that they're all being called white supremacists. And, uh, that's not the case. Uh, white supremacists are white supremacists. <laughs> uh, you, well, you tell me, are you a white supremacist? You yeah, know, if, uh, if you, you don't. If you, if somebody says white supremacists and you're the one in the crowd who turns around and is offended, that's telling me something. Exactly. And so, yes, we're talking to you. If, if that's you, um, that there's not a place for it. And and you know, we just want to. We want to. You know, reach the best possible place we can be as a nation. That's, that's what we're trying to do every day to be the best versions of ourselves and uh, Biden and his administration and just some beautiful things on display, obviously for women, women of color, uh, young people, you know, uh, just, just really, really special. And then obviously the entertainment uh, anytime, you know, you, you have a, a democratic inauguration entertainment is going to be really, really good. <laughs> and uh, that, that was on display. So I thought it was a special day for us. I thought it was a really important day. And I do think we moved in the right direction. I, I understand that there are many, many people um, that are that are disappointed with with how it turned out. But I tell you what, there can't be that many people that are that disappointed that we're not going to be at odds with each other all the time, that we're looking for to do something different. We're not trying to tear things apart. Uh, so that's got to be, you know, something that you can wake up to and it doesn't feel as heavy 
that we can put down those those concrete blocks that you talk about and and and, and try to move on. Yeah, and uh, I think the fact that uh, the that Trump disbanded the pandemic response team a year before. 400,000 people died of it. And then the new administration comes in and finds out that there were no plans to distribute vaccines. I mean, we just got to function. You know, we have to function in a way that saves lives and makes people's lives better. And there's one other aspect of this. Um, I've seen, feels like a million videos and stories about QAnon and, and, you know, people on the far right being activated by the president of the United States and now, and and coming up with incredible conspiracy theories. I mean, I was seeing people last night and this morning on video, not like some chat room, people with not wearing a mask, talking into a camera saying, well, yeah, but Biden, what's gonna happen is that, you know, the military is gonna take over. Biden hasn't signed the necessary documents yet. So he's really not the president. He didn't become president today. (laughs) People just denying reality in the most dangerous possible way. And, you know, it really speaks to the way people access information in modern America. Because, you know, listen, the good old days were not better in very many ways. But one way the good the old days were actually better was if Walter Cronkite said something on the CBS Evening News, people believed it. That's and right. Some, and if a mainstream large newspaper printed something, people went, well, we, they went through a vetting process. It's, it's, there's certainly always a chance that a story's wrong or a reporter gets something wrong. It's, there's always human error involved. But in general, people felt like, okay, it was the newspaper. I can, I can trust it. And if I can't trust it, the newspaper will correct it, you know? And we just, like, I mean, now people just can believe whatever they want and they can find a rationale for believing whatever they want. And it's dangerous. It is, and and you know, uh, part of the problem, obviously, you know, we, we it's well documented uh, how Trump felt about the media, and he really turned that on its head, and and and, and you know, made that uh, such a challenging situation. But I will say that the networks that have gone to the 24-hour news mm-hmm. uh, and ratings and that sort of thing, um, it is a challenge, you know, because you, you you might have you know a leaning towards who you like to listen to for whatever reasons. Um, but there are times when you look at it and you go, this feels like an editorial. Um, and so I think we could probably get back to reporting news and facts uh, as opposed to, you know, uh, sessions where we're trying to uh, build a case against someone that where your biases come in and that sort of thing. And that's, uh, you know, that, that's a big time challenge. I don't know that that's ever going to change again because it's all about ratings. Uh, and, and the more controversial, you know, like uh, if you watch Bombshell, um, you know, the, that Fox News uh, movie mm-hmm. uh uh, that, you know, like those things are real. I know it may not be an exact account, but those things are real where they they want guests that are going to, you know, say something outlandish <laughs> because you can't look away. That, that was Trump, right? They said because you, you, know, you can't look away because you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's kind of sad. You know, like you said, that's, that's, that's what we deal with in today's society with regard to, to news. And so there's a, I, I don't know how to repair that. And, but one thing I would like to see Biden do uh, is to, um, it, it's much like when a coach takes over a program um, or a franchise that maybe hasn't had success or there was some turmoil. Uh, I think it's really important that the coach does not reference uh, the past. And, um, you know, in, in a way to sort of continue to beat on whatever happened, 
you know, when I know when I took over here, I didn't care, you know, how things were done before. I didn't care, you know, this, that, or the other. I only cared about now, you know, maybe the relationships weren't great with a certain player or this, it didn't matter to me. I wanted to start from, from my time and, and kind of go from there and form opinions. And if there's some way that Biden and his team, uh, you know, can do that, I think that's really important. Forward thinking, forward looking, uh, and focusing on what he is doing and not something, you know, that, that maybe uh, someone else did uh, before him. And your point about the, the 24 hour networks is, is apt. Um, and, you know, both newspapers have run up against this too. It's like, we have beat writers who write opinion. We have, you know, you have columnists sometimes cover straight news and the lines are blurred. And I've always felt like labeling is so important. You know, you should label yourself. Yes. This is an opinion piece. And that's, that's and exactly people, right. People are supposed to understand that a columnist with your face on it, that's supposed to be your opinion. But I don't know why we just don't say opinion. I mean, just yes. literally put the word opinion under, uh, underneath the byline just so nobody's ever confused about it. We, 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 my business has been very poor about uh, making that clear. And of course, on TV news, you, you have an incredible blend of, you know, reporting and opinion. And once again, I just think you need to label it. Uh, because yeah. there's nothing, you know, opinion shows are good if they're done responsibly, but you need to let people know where you're coming from. Exactly. Uh, and I would also say this, I know my personal viewing, you know, I, I Frankly, I tried to cut down on my 24-hour news stuff because it was so stress-inducing. There was always something horrible happening someplace. And I figured, okay, it's better to read it like uh, on a news site once a day than just be barraged by it. But I would also say that if you end up watching a lot of 24-hour news, very simply, if someone steers you wrong, if somebody gets something wrong, if somebody says something that, you know, that, that you, you not only are offended by, but you should be offended by, don't ever watch them again. Don't give them the ratings hit. Just move That's away. Right. It's like I, I like I trust most of the people on on MSNBC, and I understand that this person might go a little farther to the left than I do, or this person might have a different viewpoint. But in general, I would say most of the people I see on MSNBC I trust. But if Chuck Todd comes on TV, I'm turning it off. And I see a lot of people <laughs> who will a lot of people will watch Chuck Todd, hate watch Chuck Todd, and then tweet about what he's saying. Well, then you're giving him ratings and he's not going to go away. Right. And, and the more disliked he is, and like you said, you know, that you're giving oxygen to him, you're watching him, you know, yeah. giving him That's the almighty ratings. Absolutely. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I also think that uh, we miss the fairness doctrine. We, we miss uh, somebody kind of overseeing ethics in television journalism. And I do think what we might see out of what's happened in the last four years, especially in the last year, I think we might see some heavy lawsuits against uh, people and networks who have knowingly uh, caused harm, whether it's yeah. downplaying or denying the pandemic or denying the efficacy of vaccines. There, there are people, and of course I am, yes, talking mostly about Fox News there, and, and some other far right uh, sites who have cost people, who have cost lives. And that there needs to be a punishment for that. And it's irresponsible. And like you said, I mean, when, when they're, are they reporting it as facts? If, if that's what they're saying, they're reporting it as facts and they should be held liable. Uh, if it's an opinion piece and, you know, you're, you know, either an anti-vaccine person or you believe in, you know, masks don't work. Those are opinions. 
uh, and that's dangerous. And, and so, yeah, I mean, state it as such and so that we can make our choice of whether we want to listen to an opinion or try to find out where we can get some facts. Let's uh, get a final thought from Cheryl and anything you like. You can be, we can go back to basketball or you can just sum up the week for us. Once again, thank you to Successful Marketing Group. Thank you to Cara Quinn, your vibemn.com realtor. Uh, again, follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod to see all the shows as they come out, including John Krasinski's Timberwolves show. Uh, go to TalkNorth.com to see all the shows. Thanks again to Brandon Morton. Final thought, Cheryl. Well, I think, you know, I think we probably hit most of it, you know, just the, yeah. you know, the inauguration, the hope, you know, um, I, I feel good. I feel light right now. <laughs> I feel, you know, just so looking forward. And that's with regard to our team. You know, I got to see Rachel Bannum uh, the other day for many hours, uh, socially distanced, uh, just having long conversations, just about everything. And I just, I miss my team. <laughs> and I know our fans do too. And, and, uh, you know, it just free agency is fun as we as we you know inch closer to uh, what we hope is the you know the start of another fun season. But and but we'll talk about this more next week. But do you have a an idea of when the season might occur? Yeah, I think the footprint of the season. You know, again, uh, unless we need to um, you know be be nimble, pivot, etc., right. uh, should be the same. Uh, which is you know we will start our training camp at the end of April and. Uh, you know, we typically start games mid-May and, and we go from there. So uh, we have not heard anything to the contrary on that. It's not to, uh, you know, to announce it as such that that's what it will be. Um, but that's, you know, that's what the sort of the hope is. And we don't have enough information right now to think that it could be different from that. Good deal. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking to making you guys making some news and free agency. Thanks as always, Cheryl. Thanks to Brandon. Thank you all for listening. We do appreciate it. And we will talk to you soon.